Welcome to the Whiskey Lemon Podcast. I am your host, Lana Mercedes, and let's just jump right into this episode. Just a warning that I am going to be talking about grief on this episode, so if it's something that you do not feel comfortable listening to right now, it may be in your best interest to skip this episode. Either way, I'm sending you all some love. If I'm being completely honest, I was going to skip a episode for this week. I have been dealing with some personal stuff and I thought, you know, I'm just going to take a break and get back to the podcast next week. But I was actually listening to another podcast where someone was going through a similar experience and the advice they were given was be open with your listeners, which really resonated with me because I will dive into a lot of issues that we all face and I realize that grief or anxiety or depression or sadness are things that many of us go through. And if I just skipped this week's episode and came back like nothing ever happened, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be giving my audience my authentic self. So there are some things that I went through and some ways that I dealt with those things, and I wanted to share them with all of you. Now, when we first hear the word grief, we think of sadness due to the loss of a loved one, and that is the primary definition of grief. But I also find that the five stages of grief are very similar in how you can handle sadness and stress in general. There is also a definition on psychology today that says grief is not limited to the loss of people, but when it follows the loss of a loved one, it may be compounded by feelings of guilt and confusion. And that last part really resonated with me because you do go through these crazy waves of confusion and guilt because you're not processing what's going on, but then also the moments that you have joy, you feel really guilty about it and you're having this cognitive dissonance of not knowing if you actually have a heart or soul for lack of better words you're wondering why you're able to enjoy things in life but then also you're experiencing sadness and it just comes in waves and as we all know when we're dealing with things healing is not linear So I'm going to go through the five stages of grief, which I pulled directly from David Kessler and Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who have a lot of information out there on grief and grieving. So the first stage of grief is denial, and as we all know, that's basically not being able to accept what has happened or what is currently going on. So we're in denial of the situation. We're having this internal conflict of trying to make that situation not real. We're trying to figure out how we can move past the situation. And we're having all these things come at us at once. And that is how we end up in denial. The second stage of grief is anger. And at that place, we're coming to terms with, oh, maybe the situation is real and realizing how it actually makes us feel. We go into this rage of, you know, why is this happening to me? This is not okay. We'd rather be angry than be sad because then we can try to push those feelings away than actually letting us, letting it essentially bring us down. And then the third stage is bargaining. And that's basically where we're trying to control the situation. So we think, okay, if I just do all of these things, then the situation will no longer be. I can still have some kind of control over it. 
That way it cannot have control over me. So we start trying to bargain. Let me do this and then this will happen. The fourth stage of grief is depression. And that's when we're really getting closer to acceptance and we're no longer trying to control the situation as much. We're taking the anger and bargaining out of it and we're allowing the situation to somewhat control us, but also it's part of our healing process. So we're depressed right now because we're realizing this is the situation, I can't control it, and let me just submit to what I'm feeling. And the last stage of grief is acceptance and that's basically saying, okay, this is what it is, now I need to focus on my healing. And knowing that we went through all these other stages of emotion is ultimately what helps us get here. But again, like I said, healing is not linear. And so sometimes we have waves of emotion. You know, we may go from stage one to three and then back to one. We may go to four and then back to two. And it might actually take us a while before we get to that final stage of acceptance. So here are some things that I have experienced. I've also learned about a lot of these things from people that I've associated with and I think that and I think that it's a lot of things that we're all going through but it's not commonly talked about. So the first one is people telling you we all have problems. Yes, this is very true, but hearing we all have problems diminishes what you're going through and it doesn't help validate your feelings. And in the end of the day, I try to validate myself and not get the validation from others. But when you're really going through something, you just want to know that someone sees you and sees that you're struggling and just wants to be there. Even if they don't have the right words, it's just, you know, sitting next to you and saying, I'm sorry that you're going through this thing. Your feelings are your feelings and however I can help you, I will do my best to do so. In that same category, there's also judgment on your feelings. Someone might try to diminish your feelings or tell you your feelings are not your feelings or that it's not as big as you make it out to be. Uh, People also won't understand what it is that you're going through. And there's often times where someone's treating you like you're complaining or you might even feel like someone's treating you that way. And it could either be a projection on your end or on their end. And something I think is really important to realize there is because everyone has something going on in their lives, they can't always step outside of themselves to realize that someone is going through something and needs them at that moment. Or They're just not capable of stepping outside of their own issues to help you in that moment. So although those words can come off very hurtful, at the end of the day, these are your issues and a lot of people have their own issues and it's really about how we manage our expectations. Another one that I know a lot of my friends and family and even myself have gone through are friends and family not replying when you're going through something. And this is another situation where you know, other people have other things going on. And I hate to say that out loud because it sounds like, you know, I have my own thing going on. I can't be there for you. But that's basically what it is. There's times where, you know, you might reach out to a friend and say like, hey, I'm going through this thing. And they don't respond to you in the time frame of which you would want them to, or even at all, or just in the way that you would want them to. But A lot of times people just can't relate or don't understand how serious something is affecting you. And also they have a lot of their own things going on. They may have seen your message and forgot to respond 
don't know the right words. And I think something that a lot of us often miss is that when we don't have the right things to say, we can just be honest and say, I don't have the right words to say, but I am sorry and I am and I will try to be there for you as best as I can. Sometimes just saying I don't have the right words, but I'm here, I'm willing to sit next to you, um, I'm willing to keep you distracted, I'm willing to laugh with you, really does go a long way. With that being said, always making sure that we're managing our expectations like I mentioned. So sometimes we expect people to respond to us in the way we want them to or maybe in the way that we would respond, but that's not always the case. When you alter your expectations, I like to compare it to the friendship episode I did where you're putting your friendships into categories. That way you have the appropriate expectation of that friend. So once you do that, you kind of regain some of your own personal power as to how you're going to manage your own emotions and your own feelings. So if you're not depending on someone else to help you do that, you really keep the power within yourself and how you're going to heal. Then there are those occasions where someone just doesn't want to be there for you. And whether they're going through something on their own or they just really don't want to be there for you, again, that helps you create that boundary. We also need a safe space. So whether that's at home by yourself or that's with friends or family, you also have to manage those expectations in a way that's going to help you heal and not what's going to set you back. So if you have the expectation that someone's going to be there for you and when you talk about your problems, they make you feel worse about it, that's not a safe space. So you have to realize that that is a situation that you shouldn't be in, especially when you're grieving, and remove yourself so that you can help yourself heal. And again, like I said, sometimes that's on your own, but at least you know you are your safe space for yourself. So I've compiled a small list of things that have really helped me process grief and also go through my healing process, and I'd like to share them all with you. Of course, there are going to be so many things that I'm missing from this list, but this wasn't anything research-based. These are simply things that I have done over the past couple of weeks. First one is not looking at your phone first thing in the morning. So that's one to two hours, depending on your day. I understand that we all have Sometimes schedules can get really busy and you can't step away from your phone for two hours, but I would recommend trying to do at least one hour in the morning. Looking at your phone as soon as you wake up really can be a headache trigger and just gets your eyes moving when they're not even fully functioning yet. So really taking that time to yourself before you look at your phone and getting yourself in that groove of responding to everyone else. The second one, you guessed it, it's not looking at your phone before bed. So again, one to two hours. This takes me back to the last two episodes where I talked with Dr. Giancarlo Licata where he talks about his equation to helping decrease stress, which is basically how effective is the thing times how likely am I going to do it? So if I tell you don't get on your phone the first six hours that you're awake, then how effective is that thing? Maybe really effective, but you have to multiply it by how likely you're going to do it and the chances are very, very low. So making sure that you're giving yourself something that's easily attainable and also realizing how effective it's going to be is really going to go a long way in this process. Number three is to exercise. So go out on a walk or run, do some yoga, just some quick stretches. Really getting your body moving is going to help you release a lot of negative toxins and it's really going to help you just feel better overall, even if you're not healing through something. 
Number four is making sure that you're having some healthy fats. So that's avocado, coconut oil, dark chocolate, even chia seeds. One of my favorite recipes is a chia seed pudding. So if you're doing a small amount for yourself, you can do a quarter cup of chia seeds. Mix that with one cup of whatever milk that you choose. My favorite is rice or oat milk. If you want to make a recipe that lasts for a couple of days, my go-to is three cups of your preferred milk, one cup chia seeds. You can also add two tablespoons of honey or agave, one teaspoon of vanilla, and optional if you want to add two ripe bananas. Once you have all of that in a bowl, you whisk all the ingredients together until evenly mixed. Refrigerate in a sealed container for at least eight hours, and then in the morning you have your chia seed pudding. You can top it off with some nuts or some fruits, coconut shavings, whatever you prefer. Also, make sure that you're drinking lots of water. I don't know about you, but I really notice when I haven't had an adequate amount of water. I get headaches, my stomach starts to hurt, my neck is hurting, I'm very irritable. Dehydration, especially in this summer heat, is just really not going to help you. So making sure that you're staying hydrated is going to be something a little bit easier than the other ones, but also something that can help you manage throughout the day and lessening the additional stress that you just don't need. The next one is to read, even if it's just a chapter, a couple of pages, just something to get your eyes working and getting you into your own mode and not focusing on anything else. So if you have a really busy schedule, I understand you can't always take the time to sit down and read. I know for me personally, I don't like to just read a couple of pages. I want to read a few chapters at once. So if I really don't have the time, I will listen to a few podcasts. That's something I can do while I'm driving, while I'm getting ready in the morning, and that doesn't take me away from what I actually have to do in that moment. But when I can set aside the time, I make it a point to sit down and do some reading. The next one is utilize your creativity. So that can be coloring in a coloring book, decorating around the house or any arts and crafts, cooking, doing your nails. Something I like to do also is just putting new outfits together. So that's getting my heart rate up and it's still feeding my creative side. You can also dance around the house. I like to dance while I'm cleaning. And also you can do some gardening. Which brings me to nature. That is a massive stress release, even if you don't realize it. Just looking outside at some trees, if you don't have nature right around you, but if you do, go sit in that nature because that's really going to help you get those levels of dopamine and serotonin going up. Rest, so, so important. And if you've listened to the last two episodes with Dr. Giancarlo Licata, then you know how important sleep is. I highly recommend you go back and listen to those episodes if you have not already. Don't let sleep be the first thing you give up because you feel like you have something else more important you need to do. Sleep should be at the top of that list. And laughter. Talk with a friend or family member that's going to help you laugh, watch a movie, watch a show, something that can just give you some feel-good energy. Just sit down and have a great laugh. And lastly, be okay with going through whatever it is you're going through and healing. But try not to avoid the situation. Going through it, feeling all the feels, and then knowing that you can heal in the process and knowing that healing doesn't have to just come at the end of that road is really something special. And lastly, I want to leave you with this quote by Aristotle, and it's, knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. I really hope this information was helpful for you, and if you're enjoying what you're hearing, please subscribe and leave a review. 